0: I started this podcast now nearly five years ago with the intent of just really being able to explore important ideas because those of us who are entrepreneurs and people who want to be entrepreneurs, there's, there's so many little things that have to be stitched together. And sometimes you just don't come, with it, come to it with all of the information. But what I've found is that when you get around successful people, Success leaves clues. Successful people can't help it. They have to leave little bits of information behind when they when they tell their story. And that's why I started this show, and that's why now up to 473 episodes, which is where we are today, uh, we have been running strong, interviewing really cool people. And today, episode 473 is co-produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council, the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. ATC empowers its members to use insights, resources, and connections so that everyone can succeed and thrive. Uh, And the first Thursday of every month, this show is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council, and that has been a fabulous partnership. Uh, We have had some really, really interesting people from the Austin Technology Council, and today is no different. Today, we've got two people on the show. I kind of like it when we shake it up. We have two guests. We have Wade Allen and Jim Bledsoe. They are both with... Uh, they are with a company called Syndia, and they're going to tell us a little bit about what they do, but they provide really important services for companies, and we're going to talk a little bit about what their company does, how they've partnered with the Austin Technology Council, and then a little bit about you know why hiring the right people really matters. So, Wade, Jim, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: <laughs> hey, thanks, Tom. We appreciate you having us on your on your podcast.
0: Well, uh, great to have you both here. I've actually known both of you for fifteen or twenty years from the Austin technology community from different things that I've done and that you guys have done around the community. So it's kind of fun when I get to have old friends on the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Tom. We really appreciate you having us on the on the podcast. You know, we're in our 25th year at Cindia, and I can tell you that both of us would have told you we'd never be in recruiting. You know, our careers were really about startups and turnaround and high-growth companies, and recruiting was just not part of, of, of our inner game plan. It really wasn't an option. But both of us actually kept getting challenged to go fix the recruiting process if we were going to complain about it like everybody else does. <laughs> uh, it was so, funny because I got asked by a recruiter uh, to start an, uh, a, an Austin office for him, for him. and I, I turned him down, but it really bugged me. And so for months and months and months, I actually dug in, you know, did research, and really finally figured out, okay, here are the things that I would do different at the executive level of, of hiring, not just you know entry-level hires, but executive level. Here's what I'd do, do different. Then I went and talked to uh, several key execs across the country, and they said, hey, listen, if you can do that, go do that. <laughs> so I did, and within six years, we were named one of the top boutiques in the nation because it's a proprietary, very consultative
0: process that we do. That's awesome. So, tell me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more details about what Syndia well, is all about. Let me
2: tell you a little bit about uh, stickiness, not so much in the technology sense, except that, like Wade, um, you know, we had both used recruitment services in the corporate world, and I had plenty of opportunities more than actually I wanted to actually join search firms, and I was resistant to it because I didn't feel like I was going to get off the merry-go-round that I was on. So, actually, uh, Wade. Uh, recruited me for a position. I was living in Maryland and it was a a leadership position with a company. And as it turned out, I did not end up in that. But when I came here to Austin for a C-level position, he was the first guy I wanted to meet. And we had built a three-year long distance business relationship and friendship. And many years later, uh, our paths kept crossing and we ended up joining forces with uh, this particular firm. And what we really found out was our DNA goes to really matching great opportunities, great talent to great opportunities. So we had uh, organically put people together with, with great opportunities for years, doing it for a favor, doing it for friends, doing it however uh, Wade had been doing it longer uh, professionally. So anyway, had plenty of offers, but uh, that stickiness of Wade making that phone call, calling me for an executive position uh, made a huge impression. So came back around and I guess I'd put it in this way, that it was an idea whose time had come.
0: (laughs) Well, and I know from, you know, talking to so many people on this program and having interviewed now well over 400 people about sort of the the track of entrepreneurship and things, finding the right people at all levels, certainly at, at the executive level it isn't easy. I mean, that's why some people think, well, why do search firms even have to exist? Uh, you know, you should be able to wave a flag and great people should, you know, see the flag and come running, but really it's not just finding anyone. It's finding the right people. And from what I understand, you guys held an event in June for the Austin technology council, and you're going to start a blog for them addressing some of these topics. Can, can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, we were a little surprised at ATC's request, uh, to do this. But what they did was they did a survey among the ATC members. And one of the key problems that their members have is hiring and retaining executive level of talent. So like director level and above. And so they wanted to have an event uh, in June to kind of kick that off. And then they've asked us to do a a blog and we'll start that blog uh, next month, uh, actually in, in August. Yeah, and what one of the things about Austin as fabulous a
2: place as it is and, and very entrepreneurial, as we all know, uh, there is that tendency to think that, that you raise that flag and people come running, but how it gets executed actually is sort of the whisper campaign is like, hey, I know a guy, or they start bringing in somebody's brother in law. And before I you know it, I mean, certainly plenty of entrepreneurial launches have started in a garage somewhere with people who like hanging out and doing great things, but many of them founder uh, because. They don't have the talent necessary to. Now, it's OK if you get there, just use a metaphor here, get the aircraft off the ground. But if you can't clear the trees, that is you're better off staying in the, in the on the tarmac, not mm-hmm. taking off at all. So talent is everything.
0: So why do you think then it is so hard to find the talent? Let's go deeper into that, because I think this is important for companies of all size. What, what, what have you sort of found when it comes to entrepreneurial companies and, and attracting the right talent?
1: Well, there's a couple of things there. You know, today actually, one of the announcements in the Austin area was uh, unemployment, unemployment's at 2.2 percent, the lowest in 20 plus years, and uh, that's that's a factor. Obviously, there's not many people who are looking for jobs, uh, so again, it's a tight market. But the other thing is really trying to match what a company really needs, and companies really try to flounder, really flounder on. The decision-making process, okay, we are committing to doing something and we really understand what we're looking for and realizing that just like if they had a tax issue or something else, we're going to go get someone whose expertise is in that area to go
0: solve that problem for us. So you guys have worked with a lot of entrepreneurial companies. So what is it that you guys love about entrepreneurship, both for yourself, but, but also just in general?
2: Well, the energy is certainly. I, we really find that it's liberating because we've both been corporate suits before, <laughs> and, and and built and grew those companies or with those companies. So they like uh, PCs Limited and Federal Express before they became Dell and FedEx, respectively. And it was a little bit of a wild west, and timing was everything. But a convergence of energy and. Uh, just a whole lot of different things happening all at once. Well, it, once you go past the uh, starch, shirt, and stuff suits of corporate world, uh, you get, it's a little more liberating. For me, I felt like I was always resourceful, even in the corporate world. But when I got out in the entrepreneurial world, it was incredibly liberating because you had to take everything that you ever learned and strip it down and take layers of fat off of it, which actually does exist more than people would like to admit in the corporate world. And do it wearing multiple hats. So for me, it's the energy and it's the liberation of uh, you know opening the throttle and going as fast as you can, realizing and recognizing as much safety as you can along the way. But you know, being okay, be, at least be willing to have the crash and get up and uh, and try it again.
1: That's that's but, one of the things that you find out in in the companies that reach longer, greater success. Is guess what? Just like Jim said. There are actually crashes in there, but what it is is you're learning to adjust quickly on the fly and achieve things that at a corporate world, you know, in the big starch, you know, companies just aren't going to be able to happen because they can't make decisions on the fly without going up the totem pole. And in a the, the startup, you either make the change or guess what? You don't exist tomorrow.
0: <laughs> so do you guys ever talk to people who... You know, maybe you're looking at a job in in a startup or a technology company, and you think, yeah, you really shouldn't leave the accounting firm or the bank or the traditional, you know, large corporation. I mean, are there some people who just aren't suited to be inside an entrepreneurial company?
2: Yeah, I think we both have colleagues who are still with some of those older, stodgier companies, and because they they do like uh, safety, they do like security, they're not risk uh, tolerant, and therefore. where they are uh, is is probably the best place for them. And so thinking back on, you know, the opportunities we've had, we could probably do a rewind on our careers and say, yeah, maybe not such a good idea, Uh, but it was a heck of a lot of fun and we learned a lot. So to your point, yes, there are people uh, just like we might say to some kids shouldn't go to college. Some people shouldn't leave the comfort and safety of their corporate job to go to a running with your hair on fire type of startup. So Yes. And the other thing I would say is that we are both uh, coaches and mentors with several incubators and accelerators around town. So coaching and mentoring people that are already in that category is something we really love. And then besides that, just from a social aspect, plenty of people come to us for guidance, direction and what have you. And sometimes it's the best thing to tell them like you need to stay put. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you bring up an interesting point when you talk about coaching and mentoring. That's something that is near and dear to my heart. I talk about it a lot. I have several people who, who I mentor. I wouldn't be where I am today in my own career if so many people hadn't come out of the woodwork and sort of helped guide me along the way. And and I'm sort of looking for what's what's next. Right. I'm looking for a mentor again at, at, at 53 years old. I'm looking for my next mentor to help guide me through you know the wilderness of the next 20 years. How important, I mean, obviously we know the answer is important, but so, but how important is it for people who work in these types of technology companies, whether they're the founder or whether they're other executives or the, or rank and file employees to really find the right mentors and, and how can people go about doing that?
1: Well, mentors, uh, it's not an easy, you know, to, to find a good one, but mentors are the ones that see a picture different than you have. They've been there, done that, and uh, they can see where you're heading and see the things better than you can because, like Jim said, you're going a million miles an hour. Sometimes you haven't slowed down enough to see what's actually going on. I know in my personal career, you know, I started out with a very strong technical background, master, undergrad, master's in double E from Rice, and was in the development labs. I was at a company here in town called Radian. had an opportunity to sit down with the founder and CEO, Don Carlton, uh, and it was a life-changing meeting for me because I was asking him. I literally ca- called the meeting and said, hey, I want to understand. You know, I was very, very, very good at the technical side of things. It, it came second nature to me, but I was also doing a lot of the business side of the equation. And he literally started off the meeting. He goes, you know, Wade, you know, if you see a meeting on the third floor conference room, back in those days, you know, you had a big wooden door with a glass window. And he says, you look in there and you see, wow. That's been going on since 7:30 this morning. It's going to go on to 7:30 tonight. They're in there arguing and bickering back and forth. He goes, Do you wipe your brow and go, Wow, I'm not in, I'm glad I'm not in there with those assholes? Or do you say, Wow, I wish I was in there starting the, you know, setting the direction for the future? And it was, it was a wide open moment for me because it set the tone for the rest of my career.
0: So that – is fascinating because i just saw for the second time the musical hamilton and you know there's a whole there's a whole song in there about wanting to be in the room where it happens right i mean that's the the problem that aaron burr has in the musical is that hamilton is in the middle of the decisions and he's not and that's what creates a lot of the friction but i you know i laughed when you said do you want to be in the room where it happens but the reality is is that's a question that i think people have to answer and i don't think there's I don't think there's a wrong answer. I don't think we all have to be sitting at the table, you know, in every company at every decision that's made. But I think you have to be clear about where you want to be. So you said that was really pivotal in your career when you decided, I want to be in that room where it happens. What did you then do about it? How do you go from being the young guy who gets to talk to the president, gets that advice, who then puts that into action? What steps did you take to be able to be at that table?
1: Well at, at that point in time I was actually doing quite a few different things at the same time because we were launching believe it or not people don't realize that there was an AI era long before the current AI era and we were actually building uh, an expert system tool uh, and there were other companies doing same kind of things and I was actually doing not only the technical side of the equation but I was also doing all the sales and marketing for it and project management doing multi million dollar projects and it really allowed me to say, hey, I need to focus on the things that have the biggest impact because that's what I really enjoy.
2: And I, I would add too that uh, that's a that's a very clear visual to me in terms of the room where it's happening. And I was you know 22 uh, year old manager at FedEx and working you know third shift and going to college as well and seeing what was going on at the executive ranks and decisions that were being made, and Wade and I both have been, and you could call this a humble brag or whatever, but we both have had several numerous uh, why me moments, as in somebody believed in us, put us in a situation that we go, wait, why why me? And I won't go into detail because we don't have enough time, but a couple of those like, I thought I was being punished, yet it was one of the most pivotal points of my career and it unlocked many doors that took us uh, other places. So I mean, like at FedEx, for example, being able to do during deregulation, uh, we were we were redesigning the hub every weekend and introducing 727, DC 10, 747s into the system form. And I'm 23 years old and doing things that somebody uh, 10, 15, 20 years older uh, would ordinarily be doing. So we had plenty of those why me moments that we were, somebody believed in us and put us into those roles and it was a huge benefit. So that's why we want to put a lot of, uh, investment in the next generation of entrepreneurs and, and leaders. So it's a hugely important to us. We've been invested in, so we want to invest in Mm -hmm. others as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that. Like I said, I, have people who listen to the show. I talk about the two guys who I mentor quite a bit. Um, you know, and what's interesting is, is that one of them told my wife he, he got a great opportunity. And he told my wife, he goes, I couldn't have gotten it if it wasn't for your husband. And she said, Oh, I'm sure you would have. And he said, No, if you go back six years, he told me to make sure that I made friends with people one or two ranks above the ladder than me, not just in my company, but in my industry. And he said, so I identified a few people who were three or four years older. And when I would see them at industry happy hours and things, I would I would hang out. I'd schedule lunches. I did this. Fast forward six years later, it was one of those handful of people he identified that I had encouraged him to do who led him to the opportunity of a lifetime that that came his way. And he said, I don't know that I would have done that. And so, you know, he was giving me a lot of credit for that. But the fact was, is, you know, he's like, how did you know? And I'm like, I didn't know. I just know that when you treat people, I've been there, I've seen people when you invest in others, they're going to invest back in you. And, you know, it's hardly to say that that was some magical formula, but the fact that I had been down the path, I was able to give him that advice. And yeah, it took six years, but you know, boom, all of a sudden that giant opportunity came and I don't get any money out of it. I I'm not his coach. I'm his mentor. I'm I'm, his nickname for me. is like, I'm his fake dad. And, I just think that that's the secret for a lot of these young people to move ahead is to find somebody who will be willing to open doors and invest in you and give you those ideas and just be willing to take those phone calls. And it's not easy to find, but I, th- I think it's the secret weapon. What do you guys think?
2: I think it is, too. And it, it, what gets reinforced for us is that, you know, we're blessed with uh, kids. Uh, Wade has three. I have two that are in their late 20s and early 30s that have uh, successful careers and people because they respect us have invested in them and have put them in positions of, uh, you know, of authority, of opportunity. And it's really good to see because, you know, we kind of did our job, so to speak, in terms of raising them <laughs> and we want the, 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 ecosystem to take a, you know, take a, take a shot at helping them, you know, help develop them. so. Anyway, it's been reinforcing from that regard, too. So you're right. That investment that you've made being paid, has paid off. And sometimes you don't even know the effect that you've had on someone else's career right. until somebody tells you.
1: Yeah, and I, like you said, okay. Yeah, and like you said, part, part of our DNA as well is helping other people. That's what we love to do. And I'm not talking about recruiting. We're talking about helping other people, whether it's professionally or personally, because guess what? Your life is about both those together, not just one or the other. So we love doing that, and recruiting is is a great platform where we're able to do that, do both of those together.
0: Well, my my future son-in-law is he's literally a mathematics genius. He 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 won a thing called the Putnam competition when he was in his undergrad. Uh, he is. Uh, he was in the international math Olympics as a high school student. The kid is the kid is a math brain that doesn't come along very often. And he's got a master's degree from, from a top school and is looking now to go into like a data science role. And so I've just gone through my Rolodex and looked for people in leadership of large tech companies and people in the world of data science and just having them have phone calls so that he can kind of learn what he's looking to do and where he's trying to go. And he said to my daughter, he said, how does your dad know so many people? And she goes, he just doesn't have a problem picking up the phone or talking to the person in the seat next to him on an airplane. And, you know, I'm hoping that one of those contacts either leads him to an idea or leads him to a job, but either way, you know, I think that I think it's all opportunities come from people. So we have to, we have to pony up and say, you know, anybody who needs a math genius. And, you know, all of a sudden all these people are like, yeah, I want to talk to him. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll, he'll land that data science job he wants.
2: Yeah. I'm like you, I I have a my kids tease me about having a shyness problem. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it, it helps to be able to just do exactly what you said. You're on a flight from, let's just say, Pittsburgh to Austin, and you never know who you're going to be sitting next to. And, you know, it just uh, if you're just going to sit there and read a book or not talk or whatever, you know, there's unopened doors. And not that you're going to bother somebody, you have to respect their privacy, <laughs> but there's plenty of opportunity to, to get to know somebody better. And interestingly
1: enough, most of the best products aren't the ones that end up being the winner for you know the, the company. It's who do you know more importantly than the product itself? Because if you spend all your time building the best product, et cetera, and you're not connecting with anyone to sell it, and connecting how do you connect it? How does it connect to the real world? How are people really going to use it? Great, what you have a great product that's sitting on the shelf and no one's going to buy, and your company's going out of business.
0: So, what advice do you guys have for someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? Maybe they have an idea. uh, Maybe they work for a company and they think I could do this better. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to step out and and take on that entrepreneurial life?
2: Well, let's let's assume a couple of things. One is that they have a great idea, uh, or that they you know solving a problem that exists. And you know, entrepreneurialism isn't the same as invention. There are very few new things coming along that's being invented. Typically, what it is, is somebody coming in and reassembling things that have already been invented, and that's called innovation. You're going to rearrange it in a different way and point it at something different and solve that problem. But like Wade said about the magic of having the coolest product or whatever, you've got to bring together a team that can move move the dial. So here's the the best advice that I, I'm passionate about leadership. And we'll talk in a minute about TLC and our own definition of TLC. But leadership itself, relative to entrepreneurialism, having a great idea is only part of the equation. If you can't lead, get out of the way. Keep founder status, keep chief technical officer status, whatever it is. But back to my metaphor earlier, if you're going to be the captain of the the airplane and you're getting a bunch of people on board and you're ready for takeoff, and, but you don't have the ability to you get off the, off the runway, but you can't get off above the trees, then you're, you're taking a bunch of people down with you. So my best piece of advice, that two pieces of advice, Wade's kind of tired of hearing me say this, but uh, FedEx Fred Smith said, uh, when I'm looking for talent, especially executive talent, I'm not looking for the best quarterback. I'm looking for the best athlete and to be able to play a lot of different positions on the field. That's what I feel like I did. And when I was in home building, Bill Pulte was very much the poster child of find a job you love, but you'll never work another day in your life. He didn't coin that phrase. It was just one that was meant for him. He, his passion was designing and building houses. So when he was asking me why I would leave FedEx, and then I was asking him about the early days of of Pulte, he said that when he took the company public, he knew that he had to hire people that knew what he didn't, could do what he couldn't, and not feel threatened by them. So those two pieces of advice are the two that I think are timeless and ones that I love to give. But if you're not a leader, if you're entrepreneurial, but not a leader, let somebody else take the leadership role.
0: So I've got a couple more questions for you guys before we can end this episode. But first I have to thank the sponsor. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, And guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net/slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Wade, Jim, Today's show is co-sponsored by the Austin Technology Council, and it wouldn't be fair to have them as my co-sponsor if we didn't talk about why Austin was such a great place for startups, for technology, for entrepreneurship. So why do you think Austin's been booming for so long?
1: Well, if you go back in time, Austin uh, was a blip on the map, and um, they had things like MCC come to Austin in the 80s. Uh, that doesn't sound like a big deal, except for the fact that, you know, you had, you know, 10, 15, 20 major corporations from around the world that all of a sudden were converging on Austin every quarter and had literally employees working in Austin on a daily basis. So Austin was getting more recognition. Uh, we had companies like Dell who were forming in the 80s, went public in the late 80s. Uh, we've had the Army Futures Command recently. We've had these different events that have kind of endorsed that Austin is a place to be. It obviously is you know, Texas as a whole, and Austin uh, is a little more affordable than some of the big tech centers across the country, like California New York. And you know, we, we've gotten that buzz because uh, people really like the Austin area. Austin is a great place to live, and people want to be here.
0: Well, I've certainly wanted to be here for, for for quite some time, and I've I've been fortunate. I get to sort of I say I grew up with the Austin business community because it was certainly a lot different in 1991 when I moved here than it is today. And and the thing that has really fascinated me is how the young people keep coming to Austin. So why do you think that is? Why do Why do the the best and the brightest out of all the the top universities keep wanting to live here?
2: Well, one is it is just a great uh, a great place. It's got so many different dimensions to it. Yeah, the Keep Austin Weird, all that kind of stuff is pretty well known, but just the vibe that is here, whether it's technology or just uh, the way of life, but I guess the qualities that I speak to that they've seen, and it does transcend generation, is that Austin is a very collaborative place. Is it competitive? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, but it, more than most cities, it is, is more collaborative, perhaps, than competitive. People simply want to help. People like to see success. And if they can be a part of it, that's great. If they're the ones that are going to be uh, lauded for it, then that's great. But truly, I believe the collaboration is what is part of that vibe that keeps us going. You know, it keeps going and growing. You can kind of turn that on or turn it off. You know, as much as we're growing, some people say, like, you know, stop, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they do keep coming in waves. They've
0: been saying that for 30 years. It's It's not stopping. Yeah. So I have a question that I ask everyone who comes on this show, and it kind of goes back to what I teach. I go into companies and I teach a program that that I talk about about getting across the gap from potential to performance. And you guys have worked with a lot of companies. You've seen a lot of individuals and groups that have amazing potential, but not everybody succeeds. Sometimes people fall into that abyss. What do you think is the delta? What's that special thing that allows some people who have potential to achieve so much more than others?
1: Well I think you know if you're talking about the, you know the a company perspective and the individual perspective from the company perspective uh, again assuming like Jim was talking about earlier assuming you have, do have a good product it's do you have the right leadership do you listen to what you know the 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 world really wants from your product and then are you making the changes to deliver that type of product you know from an individual perspective it's You know, very, very similar. It's just more on a personal basis. You know, are you doing what you really want to do and enjoying it? Because guess what? If you're not doing what what you're enjoying doing, you're in the wrong job. So you really need to think about what you're doing, have a vision, and have a determination to go out and make those things happen. And a lot of people, yeah, guess what? You know, you, you asked earlier about, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess it's pretty alluring. Uh, to jump into a startup uh, because, you know, people come out and have fun and they're millionaires and billionaires made from it. But guess what? That's not what the vast majority of people end up being millionaires and billionaires from it and stuff. It's a lot of hard work and like it or not, there's a lot of companies that do end as in they don't exist anymore. They're bought up and you get anything else out of it and you're looking for a different job. Hmm. But, you know, it really takes the determination to to keep going to again, whether it's the company or the individual, it's to keep going towards your mission and not be satisfied with just a simple answer, but listen to what the world really looking for, your real clients, what they're looking for, and then deliver that.
0: So I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you guys are doing right now with Cynthia?
2: We are. We talked about TLC a few moments ago, and TLC is not tender loving care. It is what we talk about is talent, leadership, and culture. And your question was a great segue from the previous question and answer because that truly does become the difference. Uh, and I, there's a timeless article uh, in Fortune magazine 22 years ago by Jeff Colvin talking about competitive difference, and in it he talks about, of course, if you remember 1997 was just everything was just all exploding relative to internet and technology and what have you ideas was everything eyeballs was everything and so we talked about if you think that your technology is your competitive differentiation you might have a 6 month advantage anybody else can buy it anybody else can steal it anybody else can make it if you don't have the culture to be able to get you there you're not going to be as successful as you otherwise might so Back to that cool things, that we're, we're out there talking about TLC, talent, leadership, and culture, because it truly is the difference maker between one organization and another, uh, having the energy, having the, the vibe, having the momentum uh, to be able to be willing to do the discretionary effort instead of just my job. So all those things, is what, that's what we're doing in addition to the, the mentoring and coaching that we talked about earlier. So TLC for us is everything. If you don't have it, or as Wade's pointed out before, if you only have one or two of them, but not all three, then you're going to be. And we had a marvelous COO at FedEx who went on to fame and fortune as a Netscape uh, founder, Jim Barksdale. And you've seen this, and you know all the bumper sticker stuff is like, if you ain't the lead dog, the scene never changes. You know, you're <laughs> looking at somebody else's rear end, and if you can't run with a big dog, stay on the porch. That was his <laughs> other mantra. So that's the the whole TLC, get it stirred up, get people fired up and uh, turn them loose.
0: So the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is I love to ask them who they admire. Because, look, we could talk about the Austin Technology Council. We could talk about Cindia, We could talk about your guys' careers all day long. But I believe great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to know with the people who are guests on the show, when you look out into the world, the entrepreneur sphere, if you will, who is it that you look at and you say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff?
1: Well, you know, for, for me, I, there's not really an individual. Uh, I scan tons of information on a daily basis. And it's one of those things, you know, I, I may look at 100 different articles. Now, I may not read all of 100 articles, but I am gleaning information from all those. And it is fascinating whether it's from those articles. Or even back from what we are talking about earlier, the mentoring that we're doing, it is amazing to come across even a person in college who theoretically is not supposed to know that they can't do what they're doing off doing it because they've never been told you can't do that. And it's fascinating to watch those people grow and truly change the world when a lot of other people have walked by that and saw that, hey, that can't be done. And they say, hey, no one ever told me it can't be done. And they go do it. And it's fascinating to watch them grow.
2: Yeah, For me, it's two people. One is current, the other historical. And they're kind of the, let's say, the second command because they're not the first person you think of when their last names are mentioned. One is Eleanor Roosevelt. You know, uh, FDR, you have four terms, didn't finish his last. But uh, for all that he was lauded for, what Eleanor Roosevelt stood for, and actually what she did to me was more <laughs> monumental than what uh, uh, FDR did. The other is Melinda Gates for as much as Bill Gates is worth what she's has stood up to do and stood up for huge influence on me. And so I, it's not an underdog thing, but it, she's not the top build name in her household. But I think that what she's done and what she stands for is something I really admire. And she's, you know, she's made a huge impact on the
1: planet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think what, one other, one other person that I would actually throw in there was definitely very key in my life was my dad. My dad taught me what integrity was, taught me what, you know, doing the right thing was. And, you know, there wasn't another option for us. It's, you know, integrity takes a lifetime to build, you can get rid of it in five seconds, <laughs> and you never get it back. And you say you're going to do something, guess what, you don't need contracts and lawyers and stuff. If you say you're going to do something, do it, period, end of discussion. There are no other alternatives.
2: And i got to echo that. I won the genetic lottery myself, <laughs> you know, being born into the family that I was born into. We didn't have much, but all the character qualities that Wade just mentioned were present in our household, and I'm, I'm just hugely blessed.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing so much uh, in the last 35 minutes with the listeners here on the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do community. If somebody's listening and they're like, yeah, I got to know more about Wade and Jim, how do they find you? How do they find Cyndia?
1: Well, I mean, obviously you can go to our website, at www.cindia.com, but guess what? Pick up the phone and call us. We're at 512-219-6000. Wade Allen, that's me. I'm at extension 101. Jim Bledsoe is at extension 121. Uh, but you'll have to note there that usually we get numbers that we don't know going to voicemail because uh, we've had this proliferation of uh, spam calls like everyone else in the <laughs> world, billions and billions. So uh, leave us a voicemail and we'll absolutely call you right back.
0: That's good. I, I, I will say that, like, I am a real big believer in calling everybody back, but I've stopped answering phone calls because I probably get 25 calls a day sometime, 20 calls a day that are not real calls. And, you know, I get two calls a day that are real calls. So uh, I, I totally five years ago, I would have said, no, answer your phone. And now I'm like, totally let it go to voicemail and then remember to call the actual humans back.
2: I had one the other day that spooked me a little bit. You know, the robocalls have gotten close. So you, it makes you think, oh, this person you know, got their phone about the same time I did. They got a similar number. I got a call from my own number. And it seemed like those old horror movies like, hey, I'm in the house. And <laughs> so I definitely wasn't going to answer that one because I didn't know what I didn't want to know what was on the other end.
0: The, the future was calling you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm calling myself two months ago and giving myself the, uh, the lottery numbers, I think.
1: Good, well, good.
2: I, I like there used to be a commercial about that. That was a cool commercial. I'm calling the 80s wanting my hair back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well guys, I really appreciate you coming on here. I also appreciate the support that that you give to the Austin Technology Council. So, thank you so much for being part of the cool things entrepreneurs do family today. Thank you, Tom. Hey, Tom, thanks very much. Hey, and thanks to everybody who listened. I say it every single episode. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, If you like cool things entrepreneurs do, and maybe you're new, this was your first time tuning in, there is a whole archive of 472 other shows you can go listen to. Also, uh, tell a friend. The number one way people tell me they find this podcast, Uh, and people tell me all the time because I get little emails from people saying they liked a certain episode, I always ask, how did you find us? Number one reason? Somebody they knew, a boss, a friend, their mom, their brother, somebody told them about it. So word of mouth is the key thing. Uh, if you want to find out more about me or contact me, everything is at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. And I met Tom Singer on all of the social medias. Please let me know if you like the show uh, and go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Wade and Jim. And I know you're saying, Tom, how will you ever find anyone as cool as Wade and Jim? But we seem to do it every single week. But in the meantime, go on out there. Try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger.